Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Stolen Fate Character Creation. We are on the third session, and with me I have the third player, of course, who is going to be running through their character for the upcoming Stolen Fate Death of Destiny podcast. We've already had Chris, who is playing Malachi Bordello. We have had Matty, who is playing Aaron Spokepoint, Aaron the Ashen. And this evening, I am joined by Kimon. Hello, Kimon. Hello. Kimon, I don't actually know your surname. Don't you, have you revealed your surname? <laughs> Not, no, no I, don't, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Okay, it's, well. Uh, it's rather hard on. to pronounce. It's, uh, Is it? Yeah, it's, it's Greek. It's uh, Giannakopoulos. Sorry? Yeah, it's, it's uh, Giannakopoulos. It's, it's kind of, it's, Very it's cool. a long one. It's a long one. So we're all learning. I'm learning as well. Uh, Kimon is the most recent addition to our crew. Uh, he joined us to start the Night of the Grey Death campaign, which we have talked about, and uh, has a lot of knowledge on the game. He's been a fantastic addition to the table, based in Germany. So Kimon, welcome. How are you feeling? I am doing very good today. Thank you. How are you? Yes. Thank you for asking. I am well. I'm excited to learn about your character. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe what you do or how you got into TTRPGs? Give our listeners yeah. a, little, a little snippet. Sure. Um, I've been getting into Pathfinder 1st Edition when I was, uh, I think, 15. And um, I've been running with the same groups since then. We're still playing now and again. But, you know, life got in the way and it's mm. it's not as regular anymore but uh yeah um ne- never played D. Uh, started with pathfinder first edition and uh when it first came out we instantly switched over to second edition which uh i fell in love with instantly i remember i i learned the entire rule set in one night <laughs> which was uh, a long one but uh you read the, the entire in- core rule book yeah, didn't get, get didn't get much sleep that night, but um, it, it it was uh, it was a nice experience. Uh, <laughs> so, come on, let me ask you: How do you? Uh, we'll have a lot of people playing who have made the switch from either One E or D and D. But how do you find Two E compared to Pathfinder One E? It's not nearly as much of a headache. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more straightforward. People still say it's a crunchy system. But as someone who kind of grew up with first edition, I personally kind of disagree. Mm. But I think it's it's completely subjective. There's there's systems that are crunchier, but the most popular ones are definitely not. So I understand both sides. And would you say it's less of a headache just because it's a lot the rules are a lot tighter or just that they've simplified a lot of the, the stuff compared to one E it's a lot easier to make a character that works <laughs> you, yeah in okay. first edition you really had to you really had to dig in and and read guides and try to come up with some sort of combo but in this in this one I think people who like to play more role play oriented can do that without spending as much time making a functional character in terms of playing 1e was that a face-to-face experience versus 2e which is also face-to-face for you because 
a lot of our games or all our games uh, you're based in germany of course so it's online but yeah is, is that um, something uh has been a transition as well this is actually my first um real online experience um with tabletop rpgs i've always played in person i've been lucky enough to have enough friends to meet in person <laughs> um it's a humble brag there I, if, if if you want to see it that way <laughs> sure I, i won't deny it but um yeah no it's definitely been uh a new experience playing online with you guys and um I, th I think the transition is uh, has been really easy, actually, because Foundry is such a great tool to do it. I mean, I yeah. can imagine how it would be with something like Roll Twenty or others. Yeah, <laughs> other other virtual tabletops are available, of course. Um, we've obviously been playing Night of the Grey Death. We've just hit level 18, so some really high-level play. How are you finding playing El Mutado, the lizard folk grappler monk? I, I, I can say that I'm having a lot of fun. I don't know if you are with this, <laughs> with this particular character. But uh, yeah, high-level play has definitely been... Uh, it has its ups and downs. There are fights that are insanely easy just due to the spread of abilities that everyone has. But mm. there are also fights that are very, very dangerous because the enemies are high level as well. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about it on the other two episodes. Actually, GMing at high level is, is not as hard as I thought it would be at all. There's only so many actions. The action economy is tight. So if I have one creature in a combat against four of you, he can still only do three actions. And he might have more spells to choose from, but ultimately it's, it's more you guys who have all the feats although saying that some of the bosses have had some cool feats uh the lesser deaths for anyone um who's encountered those are a nasty nasty enemy Do i recommend any me, gm please. to put them put three of them in a combat to really upset your players because not only do they have attack of opportunity but it can be done on any movement range attack spell and they can instantly teleport so they avoid the oh their own attacks of opportunities And they don't have to critically hit to disrupt the action. They just have to hit. So a little tip there for everyone at home GMing. Put, put lesser deaths in your campaigns. Little tip from me. Don't listen to Craig, please. <laughs> for, the, for the sake of your players. <laughs> so Kimon has been playing El Mutado, so this lizard folk brawler. He's an incredible character. He's been a great addition to the group. And I think, Kimon, one of your main strengths in your role-playing is the ability to play a lizard folk character with quite low intelligence but for that to actually come through in the role play so he doesn't seem like a human playing as a lizard he actually seems like this this massive stupid lizard that's incredibly strong and funny uh, is that something you try and build into your characters with the role play side of things i mean it's 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 a lot easier to play characters that have that, that lack certain abilities um, rather than characters that have those abilities if you don't have them yourself, right? So <laughs> if, if, if you're a dumbass, it's it's kind of hard playing a high-intelligence character, but it's very easy playing a low-intelligence character even if you're a dumbass, <laughs> right? So uh, that's kind of what I'm what I'm always trying to lean on when I'm when I'm building my characters roleplay-wise is uh, kind of focusing 
on a weakness that I can roleplay. Mm. And everything else just comes up naturally. And do you start with the class versus the concept? I, I know we've talked about ways, different ways of building characters. What's your kind of go-to? Like, for example, let's move into Stolen Fate. How did you approach this process for building this character? Up until you forced us to lock in our choices, <laughs> I remember. I remember sitting on Foundry and still debating whether I should play a barbarian or a monk. But I, I, I said it at the last second. Um, sure, I, I mean, I first thing I do is I come up with a role that I want to fill within the party. And after that, I try to build a personality. And the last step for me is really locking down the class specifically. So, I mean, okay. it's kind of a mix of the two, I would say. And for Stolen Fate... We are fast approaching the first episode recording dates. It's very exciting and scary. Do you want to, it's probably a nice segue into this character. Who are we dealing with? What have we got? Have you, and I know this is your favorite topic, have you got a name? Because this is something I don't know. The other two, I knew what the names were. I don't know if you have a name yet. Sure, yeah. Um, I've actually come up with a name like 20 minutes ago. Um I, oh God. I'm fucked with names. It's really hard. It's really, <laughs> really hard. So I am playing another human. Drum roll, please. Wilhelm Krongard. Oh, we're leaning into the German roots. Yes. I, I Wilhelm. And what's the surname? Krongard. Krongard or whatever you want to call it. How, how do you spell it? K-R-O-N-G-A-R-D. Yep. Krongard. Now, would the O be one of your weird German O's that has the little dots above? Is it an umlaut? No, this one's not. This one's not. That would be Krongard, which would be kind of... I like uh, Krongard. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more more Nordic. I can guarantee now that every NPC, if they ask for your name, is going to ask you that exact same question. Oh, is it one of those O's with the weird dots on top of it? <laughs> So Wilhelm, will, can you say it for me again in your in your yeah, lovely in, in in German it would be Wilhelm, but in English yeah it would be Wilhelm. Wilhelm, fantastic. So a human, a human, yes, um, a tiefling heritage actually. So kind of almost a human. And is that something that Pathfinder allows for? So for example, is human because humans the ancestry? Exactly. Yeah. Could you be a tiefling ancestry? Tiefling in second edition is uh, heritage, with which is sort of right, sub, okay. subcategory of of your ancestry, which right. I find really cool about the system because you could potentially play a halfling, tiefling, or a, or an orc, Azima. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah, so he's a he's a human tiefling from a at least a bit distant land, so that I can lean into a sort of German traditional style of, of character, of personality. And um, by so that, I'm, do you mean that they might have some slightly odd character traits or mannerisms that maybe people, say, from Absalom might not have? Exactly. So um, I'm, I'm going to try to lean a bit into the, the whole uh, German stereotypes, which I'm allowed <laughs> to do because I am German. So 
Nothing. There was nothing. There are wrong some about German that. stereotypes. I don't need to say what they are, but they will not be welcome on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some that I won't. That I won't play. It's fine. very good. It's good. Um, <laughs> say no more. All right. The distant land. Yeah, I think the the actual location. Um, I sent you some stuff earlier, but I know that uh, whereas Matty is very law heavy. This is something that's probably not your your main strength in terms of Galarian and things like that, just because of experience, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. So within Galarian, I I I, I know a few countries. That's about it. But sure. um, okay. But from a slightly more distant land, not not yeah. he's not in your Absaloms of the world. He's not slightly further out. Exactly. He's not exactly in a in a um, central part of the world. Maybe. A country that not that many people have heard of or that um, many people have only heard of but not seen a lot of people from there you know something a Sounds bit good. foreign yep perfect and i hope we're going to hear a nice strong german accent on this character oh you can bet on that it's, yeah yeah um i'm kind of scared because to be honest, I'm not very sure what a what a strong German accent should sound like. I mean, I I have a bit of an accent, but I wouldn't know how I should exaggerate it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Guess sure. We'll find so out. Let me just uh, let, let me continue. So it's a it's a human tiefling. I've settled on fighter after a while of debating between a few classes. Okay. So he's he's kind of a a royal guard sort of sort of character right. who comes from a high lineage and uh, very very high standing upper class lineage who is in very strong contact with the with the crown family of the land that he's from. Okay, so like a royal guard, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and. Um, a bit of his backstory would be that he is he's been trained to be a royal guard for basically his entire life by the time mm. he was 18 he was assigned the protection of the future crown prince who was just a few years younger than himself and um, after that some things happened that um, prevented him from fulfilling his task which led okay. to him leaving the country Hmm. And sort of skirting about as a as a vagabond type character for a few years. By the time the campaign starts, I imagine he's about twenty four years old. I was going to ask age. Yeah, so around twenty four years old. Yeah, exactly. So when when he started traveling alone, he would have been like nineteen. So five years, not too dissimilar from Matt's in some ways, maybe for different reasons, but was in this society and is no longer part of that society. Is that, exactly. Is that right? Yep. And, and is, um, the, um, is the tiefling, is that something that was common where he was from or is that something that needs to be unpicked? It's it's not at all something that's common where he's from. Um, where he's from, humans are like 90% of the population. Okay. With... Of course, some halflings, some dwarves, some elves, but it was mainly a human empire. And I say I say was because it's it might be it might be common knowledge that it no longer exists, but I'm not sure. That's for you to decide. 
<laughs> um, or for you to decide, perhaps. Maybe that's something that comes out. Maybe. Maybe it is. So what I'm hearing is that this guy, uh, Wilhelm, he was royal guard. He was tasked at a youngish age, 18, which is quite young, but had been training his whole life. And the royal prince was placed under his care. Exactly, yes. And then skip forward five, six years, the royal house, for whatever reason, has either fallen or is no longer, your services are no longer required there for whatever reason. And you have left that place and have wandered as a vagabond. How have you been earning money in that time? Is that with the fighter skills? That's um, that's something that I put into my build specifically. Um, oh, no, okay. it's with it's with roguish skills. He, after being on the road for quite some time, he realized that not everyone needs a highly trained professional fighter for their mm. everyday lives. Yeah. So he kind of re retrained himself a bit and. Uh, Became. Can I, can I smell, can I smell another multi-class coming in? Oh yes, you can. <laughs> I knew it. The strong stench of multi-class fills my nostrils. Fantastic. Yeah, so okay, we'll save, a... save, save the uh, the details on that. But in terms of uh, story, he he realised not everyone needed a fighter, so he maybe needs some slightly more sneaky tools at his disposal. Exactly. He um, sort of made a living as a pickpocket slash slash uh, what would you call it grifter mm-hmm. playing card tricks and making uh, which sort of ties into the whole stolen fate um, theme fake hero card readings so and, he was doing um, fake readings was he exactly yeah oh, interesting and um a lot of sleight of hand and stealthy, shady business. He, he's made some contacts in that time and learned a lot about the world in those five years that he's been traveling. Yeah, he's um, he, he's become a wiser man in those years than he would have become within the kingdom, I would say. Interesting. Okay, so let's go back to the, the Harrow part then. Does he believe in, for example, true Harrow readings or... Is it something that he does? He have a, a deity, for example, that that would tie into, or I would say that he is not a strong believer in in the Harrow and in and in destiny itself. Okay, um, he might have been, but um, not really. That that he doesn't really believe in that strongly anymore. Mm. Um, as a deity, I've picked one out um his royal Ooh. house were all strong devout followers of iomede i looked okay. it up multiple times that's how you pronounce it yeah there's been much <laughs> discussion on the pronunciation but i believe iomede is yeah. correct who is a mainly lawful good goddess of of honor and justice and rulership who is mostly followed by paladins, but okay. also by other good aligned marshals, I would say. And is Wilhelm good aligned? He is. He he is a he's a character that is inherently trying to do good and trying to 
help people in need when he sees them, when he notices them, I should say. Mm-hmm. But he does not always act out on his on his wish to help. Would you say he's quite a social character, or uh, and, and I'd in... say he's rather he's he's rather social. He he grew up in a royal household. He knows how to carry himself. He he might have not lived that life for for a while, but he certainly remembers it. I would say that his connection with Ayomide may have slightly weakened over the years okay. and um, I've gotten a bit a bit detached I would say he still follows Ayomide as his as his main deity I think as well we could see an interesting character exchange between Wilhelm and Malachi the bard as you probably heard he he is a character who got this reading when he was younger was obsessed with the harrow and now as he tours Galarian on this promised destiny that is no longer being fulfilled, that it's not not going to work. And he knows he had a bad reading that led to the psychic kind of manifestations coming through. And then you're going to have in the party a character who has been potentially making a living and fleecing people from giving fake horror readings. <laughs> I think that could be an interesting character point. I, I hope so. Um, there's, there's some very cool... Very cool little things with the other two characters that I have heard about so far that I'm really looking forward to playing out. Okay, so we've got a deity, Ayamade, lawful good or chaotic good. I would I would place him toward lawful good, um, mm-hmm. but more on the grounds that he's a very, I would say, righteous and and proud person. He might not follow every every rule that is that is exacted upon him, but he certainly follows his own rules strictly. So the tiefling part of him, I don't know how much you want to give away here, but I'm just kind of trying to... The reason I bring that up is, so digging into the start of the campaign and, and the motivations for this character and, and these card. I think we mentioned last time that each character starts with one of these four Harrow cards that magically appears in their possession. Yes. Do you think there's a... What am I asking? Is there a cross between potentially how this tiefling heritage has manifested versus the card manifesting? Are those two things linked? Do you want to tell us a bit about why the tiefling heritage has happened? Sure. Or give us as much or as little as you want, really. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Wilhelm has not always been a tiefling. He was not mm. born a tiefling. Okay. Um, which would have been very uncommon for for where he's from but rather he he became a tiefling later in his life and um, that might have been through circumstances that he is not proud of and that he did not really have control over mm. and uh, as a result he is for the past few years he's been researching devils and their weaknesses and where to find them and trying with all of his power to get rid of this tiefling characteristic of his. Interesting. His his tiefling features, his his devilish features, they've been developing over the years slowly. So he's not sort of snapped and he's been a tiefling 
but rather he's he's been slowly growing um which is a very very upfront part of his of his outward look he has a single horn on the on the side of his forehead which is ah. not very big mm. but certainly big enough to notice instantly and this has been growing over the last five years so it's not just appeared but slowly come out of his head okay and he doesn't know why he might know a bit why but he's not entirely sure why has some suspicions maybe yes exactly okay i love the way you're dancing around it and i very much appreciate <laughs> that i think it's important to keep some of that stuff back yeah so the I'm, card I'm trying i'm trying okay so let's this is almost episode one but just before we move into the specifics of the actual build the card coming into his possession this harrow card which he would immediately know is a powerful card this is not one from his deck that he's been using in his day-to-day life this is something different i just kind of wonder what would be going through his head once that appears there and you know is this tiefling related or is this something he might have an inkling of what's going on or what, so, what's going through his mind? other than, I, I mean, I I would imagine that the other characters feel lucky to have their card and to get opportunities to to follow through on this adventure. I'm mm. I'm, I'm not sure, but that's that's what I'm what I'm imagining. Mm. Um, whereas William, he's I would almost say he's. He's, he, he feels insulted by the card. He feels okay. mocked. I don't want to go into detail why yet. <laughs> okay. But um, he certainly has a more negative relationship with the card that he's received. Interesting. I, I guess reading between the lines, it would not be an unfair assumption that the tiefling features and manifestations that are happening and are not getting better they've been getting worse yes. more noticeable and that's been happening over a period of say what five to six years maybe slightly longer yep and Not then suddenly years. whilst he's trying to find out what's going on with that this card appears in his possession with out of nowhere that's probably quite a, a, a disturbing part of that process yes and the card itself um which i i imagine we get into right at the start of session one um mm. but the card itself sort of alludes to to a vital point in his life that uh, that changed that changed it for the worse and just as a reminder for people listening all of these four cards that the, the four players will be beginning with assuming we're in a party of four there are rules around if there's less or more of you uh, they're all available in the player's guide, the Stolen Fate player's guide, which is available for free at paizo.com. Cool. Well, I think Wilhelm Krongard sounds fascinating. I think there's enough there, much like the other two characters, there's enough there for us to be able to build on. And I think it's important. We don't have to have the full story planned out. A lot of this will come out in the role play. And as I said before, Kimon is a very good role player. I'll be interested to see how big Wilhelm's biceps are because a theme in the last two games we played together, all characters have had large biceps. I've made it a point to give him noodle arms. <laughs> no- noodle arms. Yes. <laughs> cool. Love it. Okay. So unless there's anything else you want to tell us about Wilhelm as a, as a purely 
flavor stuff, shall we move into the mechanical bits? I think that we could do that, yeah. Okay, come on. So you've loaded up Path Builder 2E. That's pathbuilder2e.com for all your character building needs. Let's get into the mechanical side of Wilhelm Krongard, the human tiefling fighter with the sniff of rogue multiclass that we've had. Let's go with the background. Yes, so just like just like Matt, I've picked a background that is unique to the to the Stolen Fate adventure path. Oh, fantastic. Love it. Which is Keys to Destiny. Okay. From as far back as you can remember, it seems you were always meant to enter a specific industry or profession. Be it blah, 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 blah. Perhaps your parents belonged to this profession and encouraged you to follow in their footsteps. Or maybe a personal hero of yours inspired you to take up their calling in honor of their accomplishments. Whatever the reason, the skills associated with that profession came naturally to you. But as time wore on and you grew older, you began to realize that this profession, while interesting to you, isn't what you want to do with your life. The lure of glory and adventure beckons... You can always go back to the studio, farm, or stage once you retire, after all. Okay. So, this background itself is, is associated with the suit of keys, which is one of the six Harrow card suits. One of the six, yes. One of the six suits on the Harrow deck. Yes, and the keys are associated with dexterity. And as a result, one of my ability boosts with this background has to be to Dexterity. And is Dexterity a fighter's key ability score? It can be. Okay. Mm, some people might say that it's not the best one, but I do not care. So I, I've chosen <laughs> it as mine. Okay, cool. Right. So I've picked Dexterity as my, as my stat of choice, as my main stat, if you will. And what I really like about this background as well is that I gain a free action called Lucky Break which triggers once a day okay. when I attempt a skill check during exploration or downtime so as yeah. long as it's not in combat it's fair game Yes, which allows me to draw a hero card and then re-roll the skill check no matter which card I draw ah. but if I draw a card from the suit of keys then I gain a plus four status bonus to the original roll and my re-roll and then take the result that I prefer. If it's a if keys it's card. If it's a keys card. If it's not a keys card, then I just re-roll and take the second result. Oh, okay. So no bonus, but you do get to re-roll. So it's a fortune effect. Yes. Fantastic. And this ties in really well with uh, some of the stuff Matt's character is going to be doing as well, right? With the, the drawing of a card and depending on what card you draw... Uh, I think there's 54 cards in Harrow deck and there's six suits, which with some basic math means that there are nine cards out of 54, which is about, about an 18% chance, roughly 18, that 20% sounds, chance. That sounds about right. 18, maybe. Quick math. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So keys to destiny. And this, this background is again from the player's guide. It's a rare background, but because it's in the player's guide, the players are free to choose this. And it's kind of leaning into this thing that you've been encouraged to follow in a very specific industry or profession, which ties well to this Royal Guard 
background, trained from a young age. He was almost born to do this job. Is that right? Yes, exactly. His whole his whole lineage, they've all always been the guards to the throne. His grandfather's father's father has been has been a royal guard. A little bit more of the backstory sneaking in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it out of you by the end. We'll yeah. have it all down. Okay, cool. So we've already uh, established what the heritage and class are, starting as fighter. Level one, anything interesting you want to tell us about what you took? Sure. Yes. Um, As a fighter, you get a lot of things at level one. Annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Most importantly, you gain a tech of opportunity without spending anything on it. What? You get a level one attack of opportunity. Yes. Attack of opportunity for anyone that doesn't know is, I would say that one of the strongest reactions in the game. It's, it's a reaction that triggers whenever a creature within your reach uses a manipulate action, a move action, makes a ranged attack, or leaves a square during a move action that it's using. And it allows you to make an attack against that creature. And if you critically succeed, then you disrupt that action if it was a manipulate action. So something like casting a spell or drawing a weapon. Yes. Opening a door, standing up. No, that's a move action, that one. That's yeah, a move action. And an attack of opportunity. A lot of characters will eventually get this, but I think it's more towards third or fifth level uh, if you don't go down the fighter route. Yeah, it's 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 later and most importantly it's co- it costs a feat. So the main reason I've picked fighter is which you might not believe, it's not power gaming. I swear to God, it's not power gaming. It's <laughs> you can, <laughs> no, you no, can I, tell me all you like, whether I believe you or not. It's not oh, for man. You to believe, that'd be the listeners. No, it's um I, I really like the options that a fighter gives you toward playing a very reactive sort of combat style and to have a reaction for any situation that might come up mm. and to play this very defensive but if the enemy opens up then they go into offense this sort of character is very very buildable in in cool. the fighter and i think the fact you've not gone with strength based build immediately shows that this is someone who understands has a good concept of the game mechanics and to a point where you can actually mess around with it to play a character that you want to play and what's interesting to you in combat so it might not always be it might not always be hit 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 it might be using more feats and crafty ways with a dexterous build to manipulate the the fight or whatever to your advantage which i find really interesting yeah exactly i've listened to the other two episodes already that, that you recorded Mm. And while listening, I realized while the others had so many cool things to say about their chosen subclasses, the fighter doesn't get one, Ah. which is kind of a bummer, but, (laughs) but they, they, they gain, they gain something that's similar. They, they have certain feet lines that lead into each other that all sort of capitalize on certain combat tactics and with this character, I've opted for for a one-handed, rapier-wielding, sort of duelist-type guy okay. with a free hand and 
a lot of movement and something that you might see on a court in a court duelist right so not so not the usual broadsword or sword and board type fighter that one might see so a lot more possibly elegant in combat yes exactly rather I, I than say, with a two-handed bastard sword default just yeah yeah i, I would more say that he elegant. he gives some some thought to how he looks while killing almost swashbuckler i could see also working yes. that kind of uh, yes i've been i've been thinking about swashbuckler a lot the only reason i didn't pick it is because i liked the reactions and the reaction ish play style of the fighter much more sure okay is there anything right. around tiefling that you have to choose yes or is it just- yes i've picked an ancestry feat at level one which is hellspawn hellspawn which- which basically says that while most tieflings are some form of demonic, a hellspawn is is not a descendant of demons but of devils. Which there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a difference. I promise. But um, yeah, Not-lady. so so <laughs> so devils are are sort of these these contractors of 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 pure evil they they make they make contracts they make deals they they are the guys you sell your soul to yes and as a hell spawn you're skilled at noticing lies and twisted wordings as you are at constructing them you are trained in deception and legal law if you were already trained in deception you instead become trained in a skill of your choice you also gain the lie to me feat Lie to me is, I think, a very fun feat, which allows you to use your deception modifier instead of your perception modifier to decipher lies if you are in conversation with someone. And would that be usually a perception check to see if they're lying to you? So say you meet a character, but you use your deception to more easily, hopefully, work out what's going on. Exactly. The whole feat is basically don't bullshitter bullshitter that's that's all that it is <laughs> but it's uh it's a really fun feat I, I think it's really really reflecting of how this character works as well so is that everything at level one <laughs> no <laughs> okay fighters gain a ton i'm sorry man so <laughs> snagging strike i've chosen as my level one fighter feat which is a single action which requires me to have a hand free hence the one-handed uh rapier Exactly. And um, this essentially says that I combine an attack with a quick grappling move. So I roll an attack as normally. Mm. And if I hit, then the enemy is flat-footed until the start of my next turn. Wow. Or until it's no longer within reach of me. It can move if it wants. It's not It's not grappled or anything. Mm. But it is flat-footed as long as it is in my range. And is that flat-footed to you or to everyone? To everyone, to everyone. Ah, interesting. Yes. And, it, and do you have to, is that a free action or do you have to spend a, an additional action to use it? No, it's a single action that that has an attack plus bonus within it. So it's ah. basically just a strictly better attack. And you can do that three times in one? Is it every hit is then becomes snagging strike or...? Technically, I can do that, yeah. So if I wanted to, then I could just 
not ever use the the basic strike action ever again and just always go for snagging strike strike while keeping one hand free ah uh, so you've got to have the hand free so yes exactly if i don't have it free then it doesn't work so for example if i use snagging snagging strike on one enemy and it hits then i cannot use it on another enemy as my hand is already occupied ah i see so you you are in effect kind of slightly holding the character yes, of balance. Yes. My, my, my hand not a grapple, technically but... it's it technically still counts as free but i would imagine that that i can't do it to a thousand people at once that's just my my interpretation of it maybe i mean reading it doesn't uh, doesn't, doesn't read like that uh it doesn't say until it's no longer within the reach of your hand so as long as i I, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, it's not going to come up that often where you're yeah. potentially snagging strike three different creatures. I'm yeah. sure you'll have better things at level 11 than you want to do. But, <laughs> I'm sure. uh, that is a cool thing to, to make it flat-footed. So on Foundry, there is a module called F for flat-footed. I don't know if that's still part of it, but you can assign keyboard shortcuts for statuses. And I will be making sure that the flat-footed one is very easily within reach. For that all might my, be a poor, good idea. my poor enemies. That might be a very good idea. Um, for level two, I would say let's move on to level two. Um, level two. For level two, I have picked the cornerstone ability of this whole character, which is dueling parry. Okay. Which also requires that I am wielding a one-handed weapon and have my other hand free. It's a single action that's essentially a shield raise. It's one action and I gain a plus two circumstance bonus to AC until the start of my next turn, as long as I keep my second hand free. Okay, so it's like having a shield, but without having a shield. Exactly. I can't use the shield block reaction, but I have the benefit of having that hand free. And as a fighter, you get the shield block reaction anyway, is that right? I do. If you did but want to go down I, that route. I do, yes, but I don't have a practical way of ever triggering it. Which Would a buckler do the job? It I mean, it would technically, but it doesn't fit the theme, so I sure. I, I, I left it out. Okay, dueling parry, nice. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll just say for the the listeners, this is, I think, in terms of any any kind of meaningful campaign in the ones I referenced before, this is the first fighter I've actually had in a party before, which is surprising because it's probably the most generic, easy build to to do. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this fighter plays and, and be interesting to GM one because I've never really had to GM one before. I've never played one, so it's it's new for both of us. Ah, oh, love it. Okay, <laughs> we'll pop our cherries together on the fighter. Yeah. And a skill feat at level two? Yes, as a skill feat, I, I chose Pickpocket, mm. which sort of ties into that whole uh, living on the streets thing. Pickpocket in itself just says that um, you can... You can steal or palm objects that are closely guarded, such as inside a pocket or inside a sheath, without taking the usual minus five penalty to it. So mm. for me, it would be the same difficulty to steal something from my opponent's waist as it would be to steal it from, I don't know, to steal their sword that is leaning on their chair. Like it. Um, that's it for level two. And yeah. I guess that ties in nicely to his backstory and having to be out on his own being a bit of a vagabond and the ability to pickpocket probably came in very handy exactly all right so 
Level three of the fighter. Level three is not a very interesting level for fighter. <laughs> I gain a general feat, which is always nice. For this one, I've chosen fleet, which just gives me an extra five feet of movement, mm -hmm. which sort of ties into that mobile sort of agile fighting style that he's that he's been trained in. So unlike a monk, which have usually get lots of movement, I think you would have started with 20 feet of movement. Is that right? 25, yeah. 25. So this gives you, this feat gives you 30? Exactly, or? yes. Okay. And um, one thing that's very cool about about Fighter is the, the bravery feature, which is um, very useful, I imagine. It makes your... So, so it basically says whenever you would become frightened in any way, Okay. You reduce that value by one instantly. Oh, wow. So you only become frightened one when you would become frightened two. I mean, that's really powerful. Yes, yes, it really. is. And I, you don't have to roll for that or anything. Like if you if you failed a saving throw against a creature that would make you frightened one, you 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 ignore it. Yes. I've, I, I had to read it through two or three times to really, to make sure that I wasn't misreading. And... Onto that, when I succeed at a will save against a fear effect, I gain a critical success instead. So it's doubling down on the fearless fighter yes. regime. So much harder to make you frightened. Yes. This is all so going into my GM notes. <laughs> no more fear effects. But yeah, not on not on Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as a fighter, I mean you don't have the best will saves in the world, but you sure are very resilient to fear itself. Fantastic. Okay, mental effects then. That's what we need. Level, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's that bravery is just something that happens at level three for a fighter, is it? Yes, it's, it, it, it just happens for every fighter. Brilliant. Moving on to level four, where you'll get a class feat and a skill feat. Yes, and for level four, I have opted to go into my rogue dedication multiclass. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Which gives me two more skill proficiencies and a skill feat, as well as surprise attack, which um, basically makes it so that when I roll deception or stealth for initiative, enemies that haven't acted yet are flat-footed to me. And that would be, yes. So usually when going into combat, uh, it's usually perception, but if you're doing something relevant then you can roll a different relevant skill so a good example is for a rogue if they are trying to be sneaky or rolling stealth they or lying to people they can use deception rather than perception and what you're saying is if you do that then that that character will be flat-footed to you yes or, all, all enemies are flat-footed to you is that right all enemies that haven't acted yet are flat that haven't acted yet so you want to try you want to get that And then roll a nice high initiative roll. And yes. you get some quick flat-footed, which I'm sure will tie into some kind of sneak attack damage, which I'm going to hate at some point. You don't have to worry. I <laughs> have not picked up sneak attack. What? Yeah, I I was tempted, but there were more flavorful ways to, to build this character. So I, <laughs> as hard as it was... Uh, Leaned, leaned away from sneak attack. 
mate. You know, I've said this to you many times. I love that. And the flavour stuff, I think, is, is far more important than, than pure numbers. And it, look, if, if things start getting hairy, you can always retrain <laughs> if you need to. Yeah, if I so need to. The rogue dedication gives you the surprise attack. What else happens at level four? I gain, due to the rogue dedication, in total two skill feats. Rogues get more feats, is that right, than most other classes? Yes, and by picking the rogue dedication, you gain a skill feat for free. Okay. Which is very nice. So for this one, I've sort of doubled down on that whole pickpocket thing and picked subtle theft. Ooh. Which basically gives anyone that's in the vicinity of me trying to steal anything a flat minus two to their perception DCs. Ah, and would this uh, stack with the the palm object? What's the one it you would. took? It would. It yeah. would. Because the pickpocket removes pickpocket. a penalty from me. From you, and this is giving a penalty to them. And this is giving a penalty to them, exactly. Very cool. That's subtle theft, and the other one is called what, sorry? Uh, discreet Inquiry, which is a deception skill feat. And this essentially allows me to, while gathering information, hide the true intentions of my of my inquiries, so that so that people might not become suspicious of what I'm asking about if it's if it's a touchy topic or if or if it's closely guarded information. This one would have been good in Night of the Grey Death, where you're having to be very careful yeah. about the I information mean, you're gathering and from who. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe Matt has it, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. It, does, it certainly hasn't come up. Yeah, uh, he might have. I mean, this was level sixteen, so there may have been better ways to do it. But yeah, I mean, he's a high level rogue. If it's a skill feat, he he likely has it. Sure. Um, <laughs> so overall theme until now: heavy on the thievery, heavy on the deception, also some stealth elements. Love it, and lots of. I do love the pickpocketing. That's not, again, that's not something I've really had to GM before is the ability to pickpocket, steal things. Lying we've covered a bit, but this will definitely be a, a nice change of pace, potentially in some of the, the less combat heavy situations. Yeah, I've um, I've tried to pick most of my non-class feats to, to help me be useful out of combat because fighters are, as you might know, a bit infamous for being fighters and not <laughs> role players but um yeah i've tried to get around that a little bit i uh, two-handed bastard sword power attack yeah. mm. critical yeah. hit three times in a row yeah <laughs> I, I power attack the shopkeep <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, all my shopkeepers are indestructible as we've learned in previous games. That is good to know. Okay. So <laughs> Level five. Um, level five gives me skill increases. Of course. And ability boosts. Ability yep. boosts, um, I've, I don't think I've touched them at level one. So I'll just go over them here. Uh, dexterity is, of course, my main stat, which at level five is at a 19. Charisma would be at level five on 18. With strength and wisdom, both at 14. You might notice a lack of constitution. I do. Which is intentional because he is he, he is very dodgy. He is hard to hit, but that doesn't mean that he can take that many punches. He is he is graceful. He is he is trained in not being hit. 
Yes, so it's far better for him to not be hit rather than uh, being able to tank a load of damage. Yes, and that's kind of what I've been going for with this, making him as hard to hit as possible without making him into another meat wall frontline tank. Love it. Like I've been playing in the last... And I think that does make combat more interesting for me personally anyway, when you've got, when things like movement come into play and because sometimes is as per the nature of the game, if you walk into a small room and there's a creature in there and you've got to all stand there, the creature can't get out. It's all very tight. But if you've got battles where there is a bit of space and where creatures can move around and where characters move around, I think that's a much more interesting combat than just, I stand here and I hit three times. Yeah. And, and Pathfinder does a great job of that because you don't just have to hit. There's grappling, there's shoving, there's tripping, and all these other tools at your disposable uh, tools at your disposal. And I think you guys do a great job of using a lot of those tools, and you especially, uh, as we saw with Mutado, th- grabbing and throwing and jumping things that we've not necessarily seen all that much in my other games. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot easier to do now that not every enemy has opportunity attacks. Of it's course, a lot less punishing. Just you. Yeah. Just Phil. <laughs> yeah, just me. Just just I have those. Yeah, so other than ability boosts, fighters get to pick their favorite weapon, which is, ah. um, yeah, they, they get to pick a weapon subcategory like swords or, or pole arms. I, I picked swords, which uh-huh. I thought fits nicely with my sort of more elegant rapier wielding background yes what this essentially does is it it boosts my proficiency in the soul in the chosen weapon group by one step above the average so at level five i would be master yeah and that just makes it easier for you to hit yes. stuff. yes and especially crit stuff of course well that makes sense uh, we've got two characters that have admitted themselves that they're going to be buffing debuffing some battlefield control spells from a distance but to actually get we need someone who's going to be able to get in there and actually deal some damage i've offered myself for the supporting role the guys wouldn't let me uh, <laughs> so here i am building a fighter just kidding i'm i'm really excited for this actually um so brilliant at level five there is one last thing which is an ancestry feat yes i I'm going with this for Devilish Wilds, which is another tiefling feat, which essentially allows me to cast Charm once per day as a divine innate spell. Cool. Which sort of draws into this this silver-tongued devil sort of heritage. I think it's interesting that it's probably something that he didn't used to be able to do when he was training to become a swords person is that right but as his evening bits have been coming out he's like oh okay and it might be a part of himself maybe that he hates as well like he knows that he can cast it and probably uses it but maybe that doesn't quite sit right with him or maybe he secretly enjoys it (laughs) maybe he does we'll find out I will find out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what I've, what, what I've, what I'm trying to do with this, with this, with this whole ancestry feat sort of, um, build up is try to make his tiefling heritage impactful. So I've tried to give him some sort of magical ability at each, 
at every ancestry feat checkpoint. Mm. That makes sense. So yes. So whenever he gains an ancestry feat, it's his his inherent devilish features that become stronger and more apparent, which he might not like, but they do make him more powerful. So I love that. Yeah, and I love that it goes through the levels. So it really tells the story and matches to what you've told us before this progression of the abilities and as he's leveling up in power his powers growing so are the more tiefling parts of him which are giving him these abilities i really love that i think that's really cool oh, right. i can't wait to put these characters together man it's gonna be yeah. so good yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it man at level six I've gone deeper into my roguish multi-class. So I have gone for basic trickery, which allows me to pick a first or second level rogue feat. The one I've picked is called Overextending Feint. Okay. Which is basically if you make or if you attempt to make the feint action, which is a deception check to sort of throw your enemies off guard and make them flat-footed. You can, instead of making them flat-footed, give them a minus two circumstance penalty to their next attack roll against you before the end of their next turn. Instead of throwing them off guard and making them easier to hit for you, mm. instead you leave a false opening yourself and make their next attack against you less less accurate. Love it. I've not seen that one before either, so that's cool. Of course, there's another skill feat, which is... In my case, Wary Disarmament, which is a thievery skill, uh, requires me to be expert in thievery. Okay, Wary Disarmament. Yes. And um, what it does is, if I trigger a device uh, or set off a trap while disarming it, I gain a, pl I gain a plus two circumstance bonus to, your, to my AC or mm. saving throw against the device or trap. Oh, but okay. only if I trigger it while attempting to disarm it. Okay, so not if you just triggered it. Sadly, no. <laughs> and do you get that rogue ability where you get a free check for detecting traps, or is that not built in? I I, I could have chosen it okay. for my for my rogue feed, but no, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, pick I like that. As that. Main as, focus. as a GM, that's fun. You know, I don't. I'm not having to. You finding traps becomes part of the role play. And if you forget or choose not to, yeah. then they're still going to go off. But also, if you do find them, you've then got this added plus two in there if you're trying to disable it. And, and disable device is, is always a useful skill. Right. Fantastic. Is that all of level six? That's all of level six. Not very, not very special level. Nope. Level seven is a bit more interesting, I think, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, first off, I'll gain another general feat. And... I I wish I wouldn't have to do it. But yeah, I, I picked toughness for this one. It's toughness. Toughness gives me one additional hit point for every level that I have. Yes. And it makes the DC of my recovery checks while dying easier by one. So sure. it's nine plus dying instead of ten plus dying. Completely I mean, makes sense. You're a fighter. I don't have I don't think I don't have constitution. Yeah, so I don't think you need I, to explain yourself yeah, for choosing yeah, toughness. Yeah, That's I don't fine. think so. <laughs> All right, so toughness. Uh, there's a boost, I think, to your perception as well with Battlefield Surveyor. Yes. So my perception increases to master with this. 
And what I really like about this, in addition to that, whenever I roll perception for initiative, I gain a plus two circumstance bonus to my initiative roll. Okay, but only if you're using perception. Only if I'm using perception, right. Uh, so you've got that interesting choice there of do you want to try and push for the deception on the roll to get the uh, surprise attack feet tricking or you've got the plus two for perception if you've, yeah. if you've not done it anyway. Exactly. That's, okay. that's a case-to-case basis. And yeah, sure. of course, I'm a marshal. I get weapon specialization, but uh, that's just more a bit more damage. damage. Yeah. Lovely. All right, moving on to level eight. Yeah. Um, so level eight is, in my opinion, another very very interesting level in in terms of feats I have gone for dueling repost classic which is um, leaning even more into that whole dueling and parrying and defensive sort of playstyle yes I do need to have the dueling parry feat for this one and to to use this reaction I also have to benefit from dueling parry so I have to have raised my guard in a sense. Okay. Uh, taken, is it the parry action? Is that what it is? Yes, the dueling parry action. Yes, so that's where you get the plus two bonus to AC. It's an action to use that. So you have to yes. spend that action in order to then, uh, the dueling repost, which is a reaction. Exactly. And the trigger for this one is just that a creature within my reach critically fails a strike against me. Mm. So if I boost my defense up, of course, then it's more likely for that to happen. And all it does is when a creature critically fails at a strike against me, Mm -hmm. then I get to make a counterattack. Ah, so different to an attack of opportunity. This could be if a creature is using their third action to attack you, which I'll have to bear in mind. If they critically miss and you're dueling parry, you get a free attack against them as a reaction. Yes, exactly. Love it. More going into this 1v1 dueling sort of style. And uh, the general feat, is it? Uh, skill feat, yes. Um, for skill feats, I've, I've gone deeper into the whole deception manipulator uh, trope. Cool. With slippery secrets. Slippery secrets, love it. Yes. Never heard of this one either. You elude and evade attempts to uncover your true nature or intentions. When a spell or magical effect tries to read your mind, detect whether you are lying, or reveal your alignment, you can attempt a deception check against the spell or effect's DC. If you succeed, the effect reveals nothing. Ah, fantastic. So if someone's trying to read your mind, or detect whether you're lying, reveal your alignment, very cool. So even yeah. if a, an NPC is trying to see if you're lying, you get the deception check against yeah, the I, effects, do you see? Uh, I, guess, I guess it's only against magical sources. Ah, but okay. um, if, oh, someone yeah, spell that, that. if someone tries to detect that, then I get a deception check anyway, right? So Would that be scrying, for example? Would that fall yes, under it? Yes, scrying would fall under it if if it would try to read anything internal, right? So external isn't blocked by that, but anything that's going on inside my head is uh, is protected by this. Love it. Very cool. That could potentially tie into his training, but that could also tie into the tiefling stuff as well, you know, wanting to be a bit tricky and conceal his true thoughts and things like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I imagine he's been trained trained against all sorts of torture and and um, mental exhaustion and manipulation. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I believe that um, his tiefling sort of heritage might empower that a bit. Fantastic. Level eight done. Level nine, three to go. Yeah. Level nine is um, another another ancestry feed level, which I'm very excited about. Ooh. I think this might be the f- the only character with a dual multiclass, <gasps> because as my level <gasps> nine human ancestry feed, yes, I've picked multi talented, right, which gives me a second level multiclass dedication feed. Even if I normally couldn't take another dedication feat. Okay. Even though, even though I have not yet completed my rogue archetype. Because usually you have to have taken two or three from that multiclass in order exactly. to multiclass again. Yes. This feat bypasses it. This bypasses it, exactly. And I have taken multi-talented... And as my second multiclass, I have picked Sorcerer with the Diabolic Bloodline. Wow. Okay, this is big. This is big. So we need to just drill into a little bit about this. Yes. Talk us, talk us through the, the why and the what. So, um, I mean, I, I guess we're lucky that Matt is playing a Sorcerer, so I don't have to go into detail on that. But um, a Sorcerer... They they draw their magic from their from, from their blood. It's something it's something inherent to their to their nature. Sure. And um, over the years, over over this whole demo, uh, devilish sorry, I, I mixed them up myself. Uh, <laughs> over this whole becoming more devil like sort of uh, journey, mm-hmm. a sort of spark came out over the year, over the last one or two years. And um, he's gained a minor magic ability to to manipulate his sort of devilish blood more efficiently, and um, as such, he gains he gains two cantrips. Okay, which is uh, which is very nice. Does it mean that you can take more feats from sorcerer as you go? I or? can, yeah. Okay, I, I can. I'm, I. I don't think I will, but it's if I, I mean maybe if the character leans more into his into his devilish side, which I mean I guess we'll see in action, right? Um, he might go deeper into it, or he might stay on the surface level. It's uh, not decided yet. We've got a triple multi-class, which yeah. is the first time we've we've ever had anything like that. Okay, so source of dedication and the bloodline you went with was this diabolic one, exactly, and tying um, into the devilish. Uh, rather than demonic side. Yes, of and um, what it does, uh, other than giving me two cantrips, is it it, it makes me trained in religion. That's uh, mm. yeah, that's that's about it. I quite like that. Maybe the trained in religion. You mentioned that Iomade is his. Maybe he kind of fell out of love a bit with with religion, with the change that initially happened. But as he's got slightly older and these powers are starting to become more prolific that maybe actually becoming trained in religion again is something maybe he wants to explore further and feels a, a more religious bond within himself possibly 
yeah, he might. He might also try to try to look for Iomedes' guidance or, mm. or help in this matter. I mean, he's been looking for quite a few years <laughs> for, a, for, a, for a cure of some sort. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. And um, you get some boosts to your fortitude saves. Yes. Fighter becomes a master in fortitude at level nine. Um, and whenever I roll a success at a fortitude save, I get a critical success instead. And Fighter gets a feature called Combat Flexibility at level 9, which I find really cool, which I didn't know about until I built this character. Okay. So it's it's a level 9 class feature. And what it does is um, y you, you get to choose a single fighter feat of level 8 or lower every single morning so you have oh wow so, so you have a level eight class feed or lower that's that that's sort of like a like a like a prepared spell for a for a wizard for example but um but you think but you pick a feed that's really cool so have you got any that you kind of would have your eye on would there be a go-to or yeah yeah so um of course depending depending on what we're what we're expecting to fight that day I might pick blind fight um, if we know that we're going against some sort of invisible f creature. Fantastic, yeah. But um, the one that I'm sort of eyeing the most is Guardian's Reflection, which is another reaction. Right. Which um, is another one that requires me to have a hand free. Um, <laughs> which is basically... if. If a teammate next to me is attacked and hit or crit, I get to use this reaction to give them a plus two to their AC to turn that hit into a miss or that crit into a hit. Ah, that's really cool. <laughs> so that ties into this whole guard sort of uh, mm. sort of um, story that he's a protector of sorts and. Uh, That's just really fun as well, I guess, from a from a day to day playing. When you make your daily preparations, unlike a sorcerer who gets to pick all their spells or whatever, you are able to pick your 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 feet, and some of those yeah. are quite powerful as well. Yeah, and uh, there are some that are very niche that you wouldn't pick normally, but um, depending on the day, they might come in handy sometimes. As long as we're not, as soon as we come into an encounter, right, we run away and we rest for 24 hours so I can prepare the yeah. <laughs> specific feat. Only, only in especially bad cases, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Makes no, sense. that's not That's, that's really not cool. Plan. Again, something I've not seen before, so that's really exciting. Uh, that's it for level nine. Yes. So we're getting into the high, getting high levels now. Level 10. Fighter, yes. rogue, sorcerer. <laughs> what, have we, what have we got? So um, first up, I get my so far last ability boost, which put my dex at 20, notably. Ooh. And my constitution at a 12. I put my first boost into constitution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few more hit points. Yeah, I mean, I I like this character, so I don't want him to die, right? Um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. Um, and I've picked my favorite skill feed at this level. I Ooh. love this feed. I pick it on every single character. 
<laughs> I, I think I even have it on Emutado, which is funny because he, he won't ever get to use it. It is additional law. Additional law. Okay. Yes. And this is you able to choose a specific law that you, you want ultimately. Is that right? Yeah. Additional law allows me to pick any form of law skill. And not only do I become trained in it, mm-hmm. but it automatically scales up to the highest level of proficiency that a skill can have. Okay. Based, so, on, your current, based on your current Based current on my current level. level. So now that I'm level 10 or 11 at the start of the campaign, I'm automatically a master in that skill without having to invest any sort of skill increase. Do you want to tell us what the law is? Or do you yes. want to... Yes. This law skill, I mean, I guess I've hinted at it a few times, um, him having researched devils for the majority of the last five years. It's devil law. So anything concerning devils or their home planes, anything that's that goes into this devil direction, he's a master in. Perfectly makes sense. And I'm pretty sure there will be uses for this either with enemies or NPCs that you meet or story beats, but also within himself. There might be things that as part of his journey wants to discover and having that law will definitely help. Yeah. And class feat for... Last class feat for now um, is combat reflexes. Ooh, okay. Um, I do know this one. This was ultimately the tiebreaker between between fighter and swashbuckler for me because I... I just find the idea so cool that instead of spending actions, I spend reactions. Um, what this feat does is it gives me an additional reaction at the start of each of my turns, which I can only use for attacks of opportunity. Two attacks of opportunity per round. Yeah, I could do two attacks of opportunity. I could do an attack of opportunity plus a repost. I could do an attack of opportunity plus a guardian's deflection. Or shield block if you had one. If I had one, it just leaves options. So I don't have to always decide, okay, do I want to spend my one reaction on an attack of yeah. opportunity? Fantastic. And that brings on to our last level, level 11. Yes, level 11. For this one, there's not a lot. Skill increase. Uh, fighters become experts in armor. Mm-hmm. and experts in class DC, both of which not spectacular. Nope. Um, and, yeah, um, Wilhelm gets a last general feat for now. So for this one, I kind of had to pick it. I've, I've, I've gone with uh, untrained improvisation. Untrained improvisation, okay, yeah, yes. classic. This just gives me the, op- the option to at least attempt checks at skills that i'm not trained in yes yeah yeah so it gives you a fighting chance and if you had to be does it actually make you trained no no okay, it doesn't make so me if trained. a skill requires you to be trained you still couldn't no i can't i can't use trained actions but at least i gain my level on my on my road so i could if i really needed to for example make a medicine check to try to identify an injury sure, or something in that general direction. Very cool. Well, I am absolutely loving where Wilhelm is going. What would be a kind of standard turn? So he has to, he is just a rapier. Is that right? 
Yeah, um, he's just wielding um, a rapier made of pure silver, and that is all that he is wearing. Ah, silver. Cool. So hopefully fight some werewolves. <laughs> or devils. Or devils, yes, of course. All right. Well, we won't dig into gear and stuff today, but I do know that you are a real gear nerd on this stuff, that you have a real good understanding. I'm sure you've given that some thought. Some. Let I've me ask you, are you I've going not... down the gold lump sum route or are you going for the item-based one? I've not gone as crazy as the last campaign. I can I can say that. Okay. Um, this time I've gone for the, for the lump sum. Interesting. So not, not quite optimizing, but instead I've looked at some specific items that I really wanted to have and um, try to make those a key part of his of his character. Well, Camone, I think Wilhelm sounds like a brilliant character. I love the backstory. I love the choices that you've made. I think you've done a fantastic job of talking us through it and not justifying but explaining why you've taken this and i i think anyone who listens to either this or the show will, will see that yes this is a fighter but this is a completely different way than you may have possibly thought of of building one we've certainly not had a triple multi-class before <laughs> <laughs> there might be reasons for that there might be i i'm i'm excited I, i've never played a triple multi-class before either <laughs> and the spells i'm sure will come out and we'll see what they are um, sure. So thank you for your time. Is there anything else you need to tell us about, Wilhelm? Or shall we wait and see now? I think that uh, that's about all I all I know of him currently. I, I guess we'll find <laughs> out more together. Well, Kamone, thank you for your time, mate. Uh, really can't wait to meet Wilhelm. And that just leaves us with one more character creation with Jason. We'll see. All right, man. Will the party have any healing? That is the question. Currently, <laughs> my, they do not. My guess is no, but let's... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All should be revealed. All yeah. should be revealed. Until then, yes, we'll be back with, with Jason's. That'll be the final one before hopefully episode one airing soon. If it hasn't already, and you're listening to this, of course. Ramon, thank you very much. All right, thanks for having me. No problem. Speak to you soon. Yeah, bye. Bye.